And while they're doing that, I want to invite, we have a guest speaker today. His name is Dennis DeGrass. How many people remember Dennis? It's been a while since he's been here. Dennis is a, a, a great guy. I've known him since uh, the late 90s. Very prophetic guy. Okay, and I've went back and looked, re- reviewed Dennis's ministry at River Life, okay? And I've reviewed words he's had for people that I know about. And I find out that Dennis is pretty accurate in what he says, okay, prophetically. Well, you know, some of it has taken a few years for it to come to pass. But I have seen a lot of the stuff that he said, both to our church as a body and to individuals. I've seen the Lord really uh, do, you know, what he felt God was saying. And so Dennis is what I call the anti-hype minister, okay? If you wanted a guy who, like, you know, uh, here's a guy who's not into hype at all, we would put Dennis's picture on the, in the dictionary for that. But come on up here, Dennis. Lord bless you. We're so glad you could come. By the way, let me just tell you this one other thing. This is hilarious. Uh, the first part's not hilarious. You know, Dennis's wife suffered for years, 12 years, right? And she passed away last April. And uh, so I actually talked to Dennis right after she passed away, and uh, he didn't even remember having the conversation with me. Obviously, he was in, he was grieving and mourning. And, I remember the conversation. Oh, you do? I do? He does remember me talking to him. But anyway, we we, we reconnected in uh, the fall, and uh, for you know, like, hey, you want to come? Let's you know, come, blah blah blah. You know, set up that. Well, come in January. I said, send me an email, and confirm it in, in December. So he sent me an email and said. Is everything good, you know, for me coming? And, oh, by the way, <laughs> I'm getting married tomorrow. <laughs> so he brought his bride. Let's just stand up. Let's welcome her. <laughs> so, you know, God did some good stuff. But I, I got to say this. I know I'm taking it. I was telling Becky, like, you know, I, I just don't know if I could, if something, if, you know, something happened, God forbid something happened to, to you, I just don't think I can really get married again because being this at this time in my life, I'm thinking, I don't want to go through all that stuff, you know, that you go through. I, I just don't think I could do that, especially just a lot of the natural things, you know, you go through. I thought, I don't, I don't want to do that. So she got out last night and went to the bar. I said, so, Dennis, how was that? You know, how was it doing this all over again? He said, it was great. I feel like a teenager again. <laughs> It's awesome that you can feel these things of love. I thought, okay. <laughs> oh, wow, what a setup, huh? <laughs> well, I'm just blown away by your church. I was telling the Lord, Lord, what in the world have I got to give to these people? Holy mackerel. <laughs> you folks are moving on. You're not depressed, you're not broken. You're moving. Praise God. Brother, what, what is your name? Marv? Marlon. I think I met you the last time I was here, if I remember right, and you were younger looking and more <laughs> back in that day. You're still, you still look young, don't, but, but I, I remember a younger version of you, and I'm telling you, I, I really feel in God there's a a, a real ministry in you. Come, come up here, brother. Bring your wife with you, too, okay? Two, two or one, and one or two. You know, you're, you're one flesh of flesh, bone of bone. Just join your hands together there. Put your arm right around her, man. She, she fits right under there real good. She's just the right size. Brother, I'm, I just see you 
uh, with miracles, signs and wonders, declaring the Word of God and other nations. Just, I see a great boldness. I see a flow of prophetic words coming out of you. And I just want to release you this morning. I don't know where you are and all of that. If you or anything about you, I, I just remember you. And uh, But I just was so impressed by that this morning, by the Holy Ghost. And so, Father, I just release my brother into a brand new dimension. I just pray, God, that doors will open, that you'll stir him up, that you'll help him to make full proof of who he is, that you'll just cause the word of the Lord to flourish in his mouth, that you'll watch over the things that he says, that you won't allow the words to drop to the ground, but they'll be productive. And, Father, I thank you for this precious sister, Father, that stands behind him. She's small in stature, Lord, but I sense a mighty woman of God here who's full of faith. She has great faith. She's she's a seer, Father God. She has understanding. Lord, use these two mightily, Father, to establish your kingdom. And, Lord, I just see you send them into dark places. And when they go, the shadows flee. The darkness runs. The demons tremble. People are set free, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Bless you, brother. I heard the Lord say that he's going to heal skeletal frames this morning. If you have a problem in your skeleton, I don't care what it is, arthritis, rheumatism, flat feet, if you have bone loss, whatever it is, stand up quickly. If you've got a crooked back, you've got one leg shorter than the other. A lot of people have one leg shorter than the other. I mean, just stand. Holy mackerel, what a bunch of crooked people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Huh? We're not shy. No, no. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you for your powerful word. Right now, I just declare the word of the Lord of you, over you that skeletal frame problems are being healed right now in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords and the physician that heals your body. Be healed. Be straightened. Be strengthened. I command scoliosis of the spine to straighten. I command arches to form in feet. I command club toes to be broken loose. I command stiff joints to loosen up. I command arthritic pain to go, rheumatism to go, bone mass to be restored miraculously. Whatever your problem is, begin to move. Minister, test it out. If you had pain, (coughs) pain, go. (coughs) Ligaments, be released. Nerves, be released. Muscles, receive strength. Just minister to yourself. Now, if you're already noticing a difference, just wave at me. What's happening right here, lady with a striped shirt? Less pain. That's always a good news. As somebody else now, something's happening. Wave at me. Wave at me. You notice a difference. Maybe some st- way in the back, the brother back. What's going on? But it's gone. It's still all right. What well, is it getting better? Getting better. All right, somebody else. Something's happening. Brother. Praise God. Somebody else. Somebody else. Something's happening already. Yes, what's... All right, he's just chesting himself there. Somebody else. You notice a difference already. It's a good time to give glory to... Yes, sister. 
Less pain. Somebody else. Yes, sister. Less pain. Somebody else. Less pain. Less pain is always good. See, that means recovery has started. Recovery has started. With you, sis? Less pain. Amen. I, you may be seated. I had a brother in my church years ago, and he had uh, all the vertebrates in his neck had been damaged in an accident. It, and it, they were wired up, and then through another accident, they all fused into a single bone. And so for over 14 years, he hadn't been able to sleep in bed, uh, and he had to get up and sleep in a chair. And I knew that. It wasn't like a word of knowledge or anything. But one morning, the Lord said, call him and his family up I want to minister to him and so they came up and everybody in the church knew his story and I remember I laid my hands on him and when I opened my mouth I heard myself say these words I'm healing your neck right now says the Lord and I thought oh wow (laughs) thanks a lot Lord (laughs) and that's scary isn't it and it wasn't like I you know I think God's it was like I'm healing it right now says the Lord you know that's that's not just the prayer of faith that's a declaration of something from the throne so i looked at him and he looked at me and nothing changed when he went home from church he was still the same and i was kind of worried about that and so i went to bed that night thinking about it. woke up the next morning wondering about him well that night the next night my wife was in a homeschool meeting with him and he said when you go home tell dennis i went to bed last night like i always do but he said i woke up it was morning and he said, look at my neck. It was totally healed. I saw him years later. It was still healed. See, so what I'm telling you is if you don't get an instant something, don't worry about it. If God said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. He don't lie. He's not going to set you up for a fall. Just hang on to his word. Take hold of it because he's blessing you. You know, there's great power in blessing, isn't there? And, uh, you know, I've been ministering a word and I've got a couple of things in my heart. I'm not. I just don't know which way to go. <laughs> Did you ever get that way, brother? You know. And so uh, I'm just going to roll around a little bit here, <laughs> and until uh, I really sense what what God is is saying. I'm so impressed by who you are. So impressed by what He's doing in your. Okay, Lord. In Acts nine three. Bible says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Oh, before I, before I go any further, brother and sister, you know, I asked you the other night, was you still involved with a certain fellowship? What I heard the Holy Spirit say to me today is that you're going to begin a fellowship. See, because of the apostolic mantle that's upon you and the prophetic mantle that's upon your wife and you're going to find yourselves gathering people of like mind people of like spirit some of them are going to be your kids and your grandkids others are going to come because of the freedom and the liberty and just the love and just the genuineness of who you are in God you're not a man of hype either and you're not a woman of hype you're the real thing and I just want to encourage you with that I feel that just strong as I've ever felt anything so bless you Count me as one of your friends. (laughs) Praise God. So as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. I've been meditating on these verses all week. The Lord spoke them into my heart last week. I just thought we were doing some shopping. And uh, <laughs> I've shopped more in the last two weeks than I have in <laughs> ten years. But that's, that's a part of it, isn't it? You know, yeah. That's part of the dues we have to pay. And so, uh, but <laughs> it's, a ble- it's a blessing. It is a blessing. <laughs> Thank you, dear. And so uh, during the somewhere in that process, the Lord just dropped those words into my heart. Of course, the old King James version of it goes like this. It's hard to kick against the pricks. You see, in the goad or the prick was a, a metal sharp instrument stuck on the end of a long pole and they if and it was behind the ox and so it was made if the ox didn't want to cooperate you just give him a poke with that thing and if he began to kick all he did the harder he kicked the worse he hurt himself and the idea of that was that it's you know as this was spoken to paul paul you're just hurting yourself a lot worse than you're hurting me that iron doesn't feel a thing Hello? Have you ever just got real mad and kicked something? It didn't hurt that thing a bit, did it? But man, you'd wish you, uh, you ever got mad and slammed your fist into a door? Or, come on, hello, anybody ever done that? Did that turn out very good? You know, I mean, you know, maybe you, butt, you feel like you're butting your head against the wall. I mean, just all these little pictures that we can use. And, and in the end, it's just ourselves that we're hurting, isn't it? And so... I just can't get by this, and I just really felt like God had given it me to share with you. But, you know, I've been wrestling with myself about it because you're so full of life and so full of joy and so full, of, and I'm thinking, God, these people don't need it. But you know what? I'm kicking against the goads. I'm just going to go ahead and share it with you. Amen. And so in Philippians 3, 1, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. You're good at that. He said, for me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it's safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained for me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Paul knew who he was. And, uh, you know, sometimes it takes us a while to figure that out, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, especially in our age, the economy and the system that we live in, it takes us a while. We're forced to feel like oftentimes we have to put on different roles or masks to fit into different occasions and circumstances. And so it's difficult for us at times at the end of the day to, to uh, realize who, who we really are anyway. 
And I remember when I was just a young man, I came back to the Lord from five years of uh, being mad at him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it didn't do me any good. But I came back to God and I said, God, I've played so many parts in life, I don't even know who I am anymore. But if you'll show me, I promise I'm just going to be me whether anybody likes it or not. And that's what I've endeavored to live my life. What you see is what you get. There is no pretense, no hype. I don't pretend to be anything I'm not. I'm very transparent about my sins and my failures and my faults. I am who I am. And if you don't like it, well, say la vie. <laughs> Nothing I can do about it, and I'm not going to pretend to be something else to make you like me. And that's the way we need to live. And that's the way Paul was. He, had a, he was a man on a mission. And as far as he was concerned, he was doing it for God. Yet so he thought he was right in this thing. He thought he was doing the proper thing for the glory of God. He was a man who was zealous for his God. And so the people that were killed and the families that were destroyed, he felt right in his heart that he was doing the right thing. Have you ever done the wrong thing thinking you was right <clears throat> and even justified yourself in it, even when people said, well, that's too bad because I'm right? Sometimes you can be right and be wrong. You see, and it wasn't until he came to this meeting in the light of his glory that Paul had came to a new understanding. And sometimes God just has to show up. Sometimes he has to arrest us. Sometimes he has to confront us. Sometimes he has to break into our life in such a dramatic way. Sometimes through a series of events that make us stop in our tracks. Because... We can, you know, I don't know about you, but I can be pretty stubborn. My wife has already found that out. And she can be stubborn too. We all can be stubborn. We've, we get it from our family lineage. All of us are stubborn. It doesn't matter whether we're German. It doesn't matter whether we're French. It doesn't matter whether we're Indian. It doesn't matter what we are. We're of Adam. All of us have, we were coming down here and I saw a shop that our great, 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 great grandmother and grandfather are operating. It's called the Adam and Eve shop. Anybody ever been? So I thought, well, honey, look at there. They're still around. Still in business. I don't know what that place is, but. But see, that's where all your trouble started and all mine. <laughs> We've inherited it. We come by it honest. And so here you see, it's easy for us sometimes to get in a spot thinking we're doing God's will. And sometimes we may even be doing God's will, but it's time for a change. <clears throat> you know, and sometimes change doesn't come so easy, does it? Someone said the only thing here to stay is change. <laughs> so just when you get it all figured out, just when you get it all settled in your heart. I remember years ago when I was a brand new Christian, I knew I was, gonna, I was called to travel and do what I'm doing, but the Lord surprised me one day on the way to work. He came into my car and talked to me, and he said, I want you to go back to West Palm Beach and start a church. I thought to myself, what, are you crazy? <laughs> me? 
And I did. I obeyed him. And I struggled in that yoke for years. Ten years I struggled as a pastor. Then one day I woke up and I said, God, I said, you know what? I think I finally got used to this. I like being a pastor. I planted a, I ended up planting two churches. I pastored three, one of which I was thrown out of. So I've been thrown out by the best of them. So if you throw me out, I mean, you know, I'm, I've had been through there and done that. And, but, you know, when God called me, I'd felt like, God, everywhere I go, people used to tell me, you know, you look just like my Uncle Fudd, or you looked, a, and, and I had people all over that looked just like me. One day I said, God, are you sure you got the right guy? You know, have you ever tried to bargain with God, you know? And, and uh, but finally, after 10 years, I finally said, okay, God, I'm, 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 I'm enjoying, I'm even getting a vision for this church. The next month, they threw me out. <laughs> Yeah, and my friend says, this is, this is a promotion. And I thought, a promotion? I said, if this is a promotion, what does God do when he's done with you? <laughs> you know, and so, and they said, well, we think God wants you to travel. I thought, that's really rich. All these years I wanted to travel. God said, no, no, no. Finally, I said, okay, God, I'm okay, now you can travel. I mean, you talk about that... Lord have mercy. And I wrestled with that. I remember I was wrestling, struggling. My wife was too. We didn't, I didn't want to travel anymore. And I was so miserable. I had a motorcycle. She, I'd be so miserable. She'd say, why don't you get on your motorcycle, honey, and go for a ride? Because <laughs> she just, you know, I was just miserable to be around. One day I called my friend Bill Hammond, and I no, more, no longer... Just about got him on the phone. He said, hold on, God is talking to me. And, and uh, he said, God wants me to tell you. He's, we'd started the, the, sec, the other church. And he said, God has more for you to do than pastor a handful of sheep. He wants you to be out in the body. I said, all right, God, you win. That's what I said. I remember saying, I give up, you win. What was I doing? I was kicking against the goads. Every, you know, I've found in my life that everything that I think is going to be miserable, that I fight against and struggle against and don't want to do it, when I finally give in and do it, after all that kicking and bruising and jabbing myself on that iron thing, when I finally do it, I said, wow, this is cool. Why didn't I do this before? You don't know what I'm talking about, I know, but I mean, I'm stubborn. I know most of you probably, you've been married a long time. Your wife has knocked that out of you. But <laughs> It's not that easy to knock out, is it, hon? <laughs> Do I? <laughs> My little goad. <laughs> oh, mercy, mercy. Well, you see, that's, that's really, I believe the church is in a place right now where uh, many of us have sort of, in a sense, boxed ourselves in to the place where we're comfortable, where we feel like we can operate in a certain realm and we've grown used to it. And we're, it's easy for us to do that. Now, it wasn't when we started, but we finally got to a place. And, okay, God, I'm at this place now. And then it's like God says, well, 
that's great, but you're nowhere near where I want you to be. And and then here goes the whole process all over again. I remember one year, in fact, it was just before all this travel. You know, I, I started traveling full time. I I started traveling, but it wasn't full time. I said, well, I'll give it a shot. And about I was pastoring, so my church would give me. 12 weekends a year to do whatever I wanted with. And so I traveled, I went overseas. And so for for eight years, I was out 12 weeks a year traveling. And then uh, God began to tell me, he says, I want you to turn the church over to Brother John. He was my associate pastor. Every time I'd get alone in the car, he'd tell me the same thing and kept bugging me and bugging me. And now my boys were getting bigger and and, uh, you know, I happened to like my wife, I liked my family, and she liked me to be around. And, you know, I just wasn't interested in giving up the security of being a pastor. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> You'll find out. And uh, <laughs> But God was dealing with me again. And I had to go through that process again because now God was saying, I'm not satisfied with 12 months. I want you to trust me. I want you to do this thing full time. And so I had to go through that whole process again. In fact, one day God even spoke to me. And I'd argue, God, what about my family? What about my family? What you know what he said to me? He said, don't you trust me with your family? He said, you're trying to protect your family from my will. Boy, that was hard. You know, God just has a way of saying things, doesn't he? He cuts right to the chase. He don't beat around the bush. You nail you right to the floor. Bang. And so finally, we just had to, to finally say, this is it. Okay, we're going to pay the price. We're going to do it. And, but to say it was easy, I'd be lying to you. It was very hard to do God's will. It costs us something when we do God's will. You know, and our problem is we think it's everything's going to be hunky-dory, full of joy. It's going to be full of peace. It's not going to have any conflict. If anybody told you that, they're just told you a fairy tale. That's not reality. Reality is it's, it's expensive. It's, it hurts. It costs you something. There's pain involved in it. There's sacrifice. There's letting things go. There's, that's the reality of it. And I believe the church is in the place where it's the bless me now time. You know, we want to see God's blessing now. People get a prophetic word like our brother said. They think it's going to happen in a day or two or a week or two. Then they get a prophetic word, and sometimes they try to make it fit a situation that they're in. I've discovered with every prophetic word I've had from God, he's kicked me into it, kicking and screaming. And it wasn't until after I got there and all of a sudden looked around and said, Oh, oh, this is what you meant. (laughs) Don't run ahead of God. You know, don't feel bad if you have to if you resist. It's the human way of doing things because we don't understand. We only see about this far. I remember years ago Bob Munford was sharing he was having the talk with God, you know, and he said, "God, I'll go with you anywhere." And God said, "Okay, Munford, let's go for a walk." And Bob says, "Where are we going?" He says, "Through the valley of the shadow of death." Whoa, I don't want to <laughs> Yeah, you know, Bob Mumford, he was pretty, I mean, remember old Bob. I guess he's still around. He was one of my favorite. He was so funny because he was so real. And that's the way it is, you see. We get concepts in our mind of the way things are going to be. And I believe there's a lot of people in this room today as joyous 
as you are and as much faith as you have and as much as you enjoy God's presence, like who wouldn't? I mean, if you think that enjoying God's presence is a sign that all is well, Hello? I mean, like, only an idiot wouldn't enjoy God's presence. I mean, what's not to enjoy? It's like fried chicken. I mean, what's not to like about fried chicken? I mean, you know, hello? It is the gospel bird after all, isn't it? (laughs) More chickens gone in the ministry than any other animal. Oh, (laughs) praise God for chicken. But see, sometimes... You know, life brings, I remember years ago, my, my first, my wife Jeannie and I were just newlyweds and we had a, a family that we were making friends and we invited them over to a meal and I remember she made stuffed pork chops and all these homemade biscuits and all the stuff was on the table and he sat down he looked at it and he said, oh, everything is different. <laughs> and I looked at her, and she, I mean, we'd labor like for hours getting this meal ready. And obviously, he was a guy that was sort of a meat and potatoes kind of a guy. It's like, oh, every, you know, like, well, what do we do now? You see, sometimes God's going to set the table for you, and you're going to come in and say, oh, this is different. You know, this isn't what I expected. This isn't where, this isn't where I thought you were taking me. This isn't what I thought you meant when you said that. I know I heard you say that, but I didn't think you meant this this when you said that. How can you know? You know, you can when God talks about the past, it's kind of easy to get a handle on it. If he talks about what you're going through now, it's to bring you some understanding, but when he's talking about future things to your life, you don't have a clue. And you think you do, but you don't. You can't. You can't know the future. You can't understand what those words mean. If the Jews could have understood, nobody would have ever crucified Jesus. Amen? Because they didn't understand. They just couldn't see it. When it came right in front of them, they just... And many times God says things to us and we think we understand and when it's coming, we say, oh, no, this isn't, no, no. But it is. And Paul was taken into the city, led by hand, and a man named Ananias was called to go and pray for him and open his eyes and speak to him. And God was going to not only open his eyes, tell Paul all the things he's going to suffer for me for is a chosen vessel. Needless to say, Paul's life was forever changed by that encounter. I've had these encounters, minus the bright light. (laughs) Wherein the Lord has arrested me, made me a captive, given me a divine quest. And sometimes I've felt that Ox goad pierced me as I kicked against it. The harder we kick, the more it hurts. And I've tried to come to my senses and realize where I am and say, Okay, God, listen to this verse, Psalm 2. says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and 
the presidents. And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. In case you haven't noticed, that sort of sounds like our country. Saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. And he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. God just gets a good laugh out of what's going on. The Lord shall hold them in derision. He shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill. This is God speaking. And I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you're my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little. (laughs) I mean, someone, you know, oftentimes you hear people say, well, this earthquake is that. You know, this is God's wrath, and this is God's judgment. I heard a very wise man say one time, when God gets mad, everybody knows it. (laughs) Hello? See, I don't think we've seen the wrath of God. And I don't think the things that happen in life are necessarily the wrath of God. I'm of the confirmed conviction of this, though, that God has lifted his umbrella of protection off our nation. I believe that he's lifted a great measure of his blessing off our nation. But I don't believe he's lifted it off his church. We've always, where his, he loves us. You know, I heard from the throne of heaven today, the, your, your husband said this. He said, tell him I'm coming quickly. So your husband's coming quickly. My husband's coming quickly. That's a funny feeling being a bride. But uh, amen. Yeah, so. Kiss the son lest he be angry. Notice Paul's quick response, Lord, what do you want me to do? See, that's what he's looking for this morning in your heart, in mine. He's, he's looking for our, see, I believe, I, I've had some, some people in my family that really struggled with some things, and, and uh, I really wanted to bless them and help them, because one of their struggles was financial, and I had the means that, you know, when my wife passed, I got a little insurance money. It wasn't much, a lot, but I had a little money that I didn't have to spend on a bill or something, and, and I wanted to bless this person, but I knew that if I did, it wouldn't really bless him at all. It would hurt him, and so I had to wait until things changed, and through prayer and intercession and love and confrontation, they did, and then I was able to bless. I gave, I gave a beautiful, I had a Martin guitar beautiful uh who's that one of their signature models brand new and when i bought it i knew it wasn't going to be mine it was for him he's a worship leader and uh, so i gave that martin guitar to him it was like a four thousand dollar guitar and it was a blessing and a pleasure to give it to him and know that it would help him and not hurt him see god wants to bless us but some of us are not in the place 
that he can. Because if he blesses us where we are, we won't move to where he wants us to be. Do you understand that? God has no problem with giving. The Bible says when he gave Jesus, he gave the very best that he had. Why will he withhold any other good thing? He won't unless it keeps us from moving on into what he has for us. And I believe there's people today that are stuck. You love God. You worship. You praise. You love his presence. You love it when he does things for you, but you're stuck where you are when in reality he wants you to be somewhere else. And I don't mean in another church. I'm talking about where you are as a being, as a person in him. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying to you? Does this... Is this ringing a bell in your heart? And see, so we wonder why hard times come. We wonder why we suffer. We wonder why we have pain. And we wonder why sometimes it feels like God is actually resisting us. It's because we need to move. <laughs> One day a boy was stroking this cat backwards. And it was going, ow, ow. And old grandma said, Johnny? Your pet, you need to turn, you know, pet that cat the other way. And he says, if he don't like it, he can turn around. <laughs> uh, you're just not getting this, sorry. I can see it's. I'm going to have to bring my preaching down a little lower. To <laughs> uh, lordy, lordy. Paul said this. He said, I've discovered a law in my members that resist the will of God. <laughs> said, when I finally give up and embrace his will, I find a sweet release and a surprise and joy. Paul said it this way, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you don't do the things that you wish. See, the devil gets a lot of blame for stuff when really it's us. Unfortunately, you can't cast you out. <laughs> you can't move away from you. A change of location just takes you to, with you to a different place, and you're still there, you see. The only thing that brings an end to you is the cross. You see, it's when we kiss the sun, when we embrace the cross, which means the end of our self-life, our self-rule, our self-reign, our self. See, it's when we embrace that that we come into joy in life. Life is just the other side of the cross always. And that Paul said, I die every day. Paul must have been a stubborn man. Every day he had to face something. Hello? I mean, every day something was coming that went against the grain that, that his flesh wanted to resist and fight against, but that it was God's will for him, and he had to, okay, God. Do you understand? I just feel God. I feel the Holy Ghost all over me right now in this. I believe I'm talking to some people in this room that this is the thing that you're missing right now, the element that's the missing piece of your puzzle, if you'll just do this, it's going to launch you into a new place in God for yourself, for your ministry. I believe we all have a ministry of some sort. Some are called to 
stand up here and make fools out of themselves and say things and others are called to work in the background and to be out on the streets. To tell you the truth, I'd a lot rather be just down at Walmart praying for people and you know, I said, God, I don't care if I ever preach again. Just turn me loose. But I'm called to do this. But you can do it, and I do it every now and then. But see, you can do all those things. You are the kingdom wherever you go. And I know that life has been hard and tough, and, and it's probably not going to get any easier for a while. I don't think it's going to myself. I'm not prophesying that. It's just my observation. But God doesn't change. And he'll take care of us. He can keep us dry in a rainstorm. Keep the, keep the smoke away from us in the fire. He can give us strength to stand the wind. He'll, keep us, he'll give us something to drink in a barren land. He'll feed us. You can go to your... I've heard story after story of people going to the cupboard and just food being there. I heard about a guy one time who was just totally broke. And he was praying and asking God for help. And they lived in a little one of them little houses in Florida with a screen porch. And they didn't have grass. It was just sand. And every night he'd rake that sand. And it was all raked. And they'd been praying and asking God. They didn't have a thing. He heard somebody, heard the back door slam one night and heard a noise. And he went out and there was like bags and bags of groceries on that porch. The next morning he got up, there wasn't one footprint in that dirt. Now that person was either real light-footed. <laughs> See, I'm saying God will do it. He'll take care of us. And if you're struggling and kicking against the goad, stop it. You're not hurting God. You're hurting yourself. And the people that God wants to send you to are being robbed of the blessing of who you are. You're a blessing to someone. We're to be a vehicle of blessing. I believe I heard the Lord declare His desire to pour His goodness upon the church. We've been having some meetings in our little church down there. I've, there's four or five prophetic brothers and sisters there, and none of us were really doing much, just kind of sitting on the sidelines. When I'm in my home church, I just sort of, chill you know and i'm not like on all the time you know i could I don't think i could take the strain of being on all the time people ask me do you see that i don't see any of that stuff if god shows me i see it otherwise i just go like duh <laughs> one time a guy took me up on a mountain overlooking the city of of uh antigua way up in this high place and I think there was a big cross up there with Jesus on and everything and we're looking over the city of Antigua. He says, well, he said, what's the Lord saying to you? I said, nothing. <laughs> what do you see? Nothing. Just a nice town up here. What do you feel? Nothing really. <laughs> That's, I mean, I just don't operate that way. I mean, I know some people do, you know, and I don't belittle that, but that just isn't me. God has to go, Oh, oh, yo, yeah, okay. I, you know, that's just the way I am. That's my personality. So, I know there's people who just walk around. You're on all the time. Bless your little hearts. I don't know how you do it, but I've got to listen to some rock and roll once in a while. The '50s and '60s stuff. I'm talking about real rock and roll. You know, they stopped making real rock and roll in about '66. After I don't. 
care about it after that much, but real rock. Sometimes I got to watch NCIS and NCIS LA. Anybody like to watch? Sometimes I need to just, I need to get away from religion and spirituality and just chill. Sometimes I got to get my rifle and head for the woods and hope that I can find a, a deer that's like got mental problems so I can shoot him, you know, or something. And I was watching a... I was in the car place the other day watching the, getting my car service, and they had some kind of a planet Earth on, and it was showing this, this snow leopard that chased this deer down this mountain. He almost had him two or three times, and that deer got away, and I turned over to the guy next to me, and I said, man, that guy don't have any better luck than I do. <laughs> he just laughed. You see, that's, that's me. I'm, I've got to be me once in a while, and just I'm, I'm a man too. I'm not just a spiritual entity, you see, so... The Lord knows that about us. He knows who we are, but he'll use us anyway. You know, you don't have to be weird for God to use you. If you're weird, he'll use you anyway. You know, it's okay. If you're weird, just be weird, but God will use you. So we're having these meetings, these prophets, and we just I just first felt like, well, I'd just like to get to know these guys a little bit, you know. And we started one by one having lunch together and breakfast. Next thing you know, I said, well, maybe it would be cool if we'd all get together. And one brother said, when do you want to do it? I was like, <laughs> I didn't really expect anybody to take me up on it. But So we started meeting, and I said, I don't even know what we're doing, but let's just pray. We didn't have an agenda. We didn't have a purpose. We didn't have a plan. We've discovered we're just hungry for God. And so we started meeting together and praying, and then we decided, well, maybe the church ought to do this. And so we opened it up, and on a Sunday night we had a meeting, and it was pretty cool. We didn't have nobody preached. We just sort of did what we sort of said, like, God, this is your time. Whatever you want to do, if you just want us to sit here and shut up and be in your presence, it's okay. And this brother came to the meeting that was uh, works for my sister. They have air conditioning business. And he was on his way to his 50th birthday party, I think, or something like that. He's all dressed up in a suit, you know, and looked real sharp-looking guy. And he came in with his wife, and they brought him up. I didn't even pray for him. My sister and her husband, some other people prayed for him. I was trying to just stay back out of it as much as possible. I didn't want it to be my meeting, you know. And he went on to his birthday party. The next day he came up to me, he was just like on fire. He says, Brother Dennis, he said, when I left that meeting, that anointing was there, went with me. And he said, when I got to the house, there were 50 people there. He says, there were eight of my cousins that hadn't been in church in 30 years. He said, they all got saved. And he said, their families have been calling. He later told me all week, the family, what happened to Papa? What happened? Where is this church that you, I mean, it was real. Now, see, it's not so much oftentimes what we need to understand in the economy of God. Oftentimes when you fast, you don't get the, the goods then. It might be a week or two, a month, six months, a year later, boom. See, when you say something, sometimes it takes a while. We th- we're so used to instant things, and we think if it doesn't happen by tomorrow, it's not God. Well, you know, you need to understand who God is. He lives in a different time zone than you do. 
Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. That's like when your wife says, I'll be right out, honey. I'm just going to go in here for a minute. Like, uh-huh. Where's my book? You know, I carry a book with me. You know, so uh, sometimes you can read a half a book while that minute goes by. You know what I'm saying? So don't get caught up in timetables and all that stuff. We need to take hold of the promise of God. See, the Bible says in Acts 3.19, repent. Now, we often think of that as for sinners. But see, repentance just simply means to realize you're going the wrong way and turn around. That's all it means. So I think it's a word, especially since this was, you know, I think this is a word to us, repent. Be converted. Of course, this says so that your sins may be blotted out. But see, sins is just an, the word sin is an archery term, isn't it? It means to miss the mark. Now, I used to shoot archery and I you know I've had compound bows with little sights on them my favorite is the bear bow just I don't mean b-e-a-r made by bear I mean just a bow just a plain bow a stick with a string a recurve and you don't have a sight on it but I've I've discovered a, a neat thing about that if you pull back a bow you've shot it a few times your muscles sort of develop a memory, and if I look at the tar- the, the place I want to hit, and if I concentrate on that spot, the arrow will go there every time. It's amazing. But if, my, if I'm looking at the big picture, and I, it'll go in, it, you know, I might hit the target. It won't be the spot I wanted. See, when we begin to see what God has for us, we begin to aim for that. See, if you're not aiming right, you're going to be sinning. You're going to be missing the target. What is your target? What's God called you to do? I don't know how many guys I've talked to that said, well, when I was young, God, God called me to ministry. What do you do now? I sell cars or I do this or I do that. And I'm thinking, I don't understand. God's called you to do something. Why aren't you doing it? Well, I'm too old now. No, you're not. Moses was 80 years old when he got cranked up. I mean, he went on another 40 years beyond that. In fact, if God didn't kill him, he'd probably still be going. <laughs> he, he didn't even wear glasses. I mean, he was, a, I mean, hello? I mean, here's Abraham at 100 years old having kids. I'm thinking, like, God, how do you do that? And, and how do you even be excited about it at 100 years old? Having, that's the part that I don't say, how, hello? You know, I'm ready for grandkids. I've had enough of my own. Grandkids are a lot more fun. Spoil them and turn them back. So that times of refreshing may come. The word is anapsuxus, something like that. I'm not a Greek scholar, but what it literally means is a recovery of breath. To catch your breath. How many of you just need to catch your breath? See, when you're in distress, and I'll tell you, when you resist God, I believe it's a very distressing, stressful 
time when you're in the dealings of God. But see, there's something happens when we finally say, okay, God, you win. We catch our breath. All of a sudden, the stress leaves. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You've done it. All of a sudden, you just realize, I've been resisting God all this time, and I've, I've been blaming it on the devil, you know? I've been blaming it on this. I've been, you know, oh, God, take away all the things that don't count. Then your bass boat sinks. <laughs> right, ladies? You know what they say? If you give a man a fish, you give him a meal. If you teach a man to fish, what's the rest of that? You never see him again, exactly. <laughs> That's right, brother. You never see him again. He's gone. See, Esau was an outdoorsman. He loved to hunt. I don't know if he did any fishing. I don't think there's much fishing in his part of the world. But he was an outdoor. He loved all that stuff, but he missed everything that could have been his because his heart didn't want it. What does your heart want today? What, is, what does your heart want today? Was there a time in your life that said, Oh, God, I know you saved me for a purpose, not just to sit on a chair, not just to come and worship, not just, but God, you've got a purpose, a divine destiny for me to fulfill. I'm called to, to minister somehow. Anybody ever, did you feel that when you was a young Christian? Come on, put your hand up. All over this room. Everybody I know that gets saved feels called to ministry. That's because you are. But maybe you just weren't called of the kind that you saw. When the God called me, the minister, I was 12, and I looked at my preacher. He looked the sourest guy I ever saw. I said, no thanks, God. I'd rather be a cowboy. I love you, but I don't want none of that. I didn't realize how much fun I could have. I could actually be a stand-up comedian and preach the word, and people would actually give me money for it. <laughs> It's wild, isn't it, brother? I bet you never had this money in making electrical inventions. Yeah. No. Never. <laughs> and they call this work, right? Wow. <laughs> what a mighty God we serve. Listen, God hadn't changed his mind about you. There's still room for you. Room at the cross. Come back. Repent. Turn around, embrace what he has for you. He wants to pour out goodness. And that was the thing that I, I, I've seen just in a couple of months, some amazing things turn around in my own life. One person that I was very concerned about that was hooked on drugs and everything, just boom, I got a new wife. I've seen family situations be resolved. Things that I've struggled with and looked at and wondered how. Boom, 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 boom. Because, and I said, God is pouring out His goodness just because we're coming into His presence and spending some time with Him and saying, God, what do you want? We're here for you. It's about you. And God responds in powerful ways in our lives. He wants to bless you today. He wants to bless your family. He wants to release you. I've gone way over my allotment of time, brother. I'm sorry.
Praise God. I believe I've given you Jesus' heart this morning. I didn't come here to give you my heart. My, my heart's got nothing worth hearing. You don't care about what you want to hear from. The, see, I've come to give you the Father's heart. And I believe I've given it to you. I believe I've prophesied to you just as straight and as clean and as simple as I can of what God wants to do for you. This church is on the edge of great things. And it isn't just about this couple here. We're about two or three anointed people on this platform. It's about every single one of you. About what God wants to do. I'm convinced that if you began to do what God wanted you to do, you don't have room for it here. What he'll do. You don't, but he'll make room. He'll make the room for you. Bless you. And those of you that prayed for me over the years, I appreciate it. I know I've had prayer warriors all over the world that prayed for me at different times. If you're one of them, thank you. I appreciate that so much. God is so good. And he will renew our youth. Well, I hope people heard the Lord speaking to them. Amen. Now, one more thing we want to do right quick is, David, is we're going to receive an offering right now, and we're going to give all the money that we're receiving this offering to Dennis. So if you want to write a check or put cash, or we're going to give it to him. And then we're going to have a ministry time, and I'm sure, Dennis, would you be willing to pray for some people, Dennis? Give them words or whatever. Y'all, y'all can do that. And we have our ministry team. We want to get our ministry team to come up. And uh, come on, David. Y'all go ahead and start passing out those baskets to people. Like I say, all this is going to be go straight to Dennis. We'll write him one check. Just make you check out the River Life. And we'll make sure we want to take care of him and bless him. And thank you, Dennis. That was a word, wasn't it? I believe the Lord is trying to stir, stir the hearts. Stir the hearts of people in this room. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Lord loves us, right? Amen. So um, let's just give these guys a couple moments to get get down the road here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for coming today. I hope you heard the Lord speak to you in some fashion. Mm. Hey, one of the things they told me over in England was that they they listened to our messages. That's what they used. They said they were having a hard time with the southern drawl. <laughs> Whatever. I, I said, y'all got a drawl. <laughs> but they love it. They love the messages. So everything we're doing here, they're already getting over there. So if you'd like to come up and receive prayer, you know, you guys, y'all come on up here and stand too. And uh, they'll pray over you. And thank you for, for your generous offerings. And Lord bless you and keep you and let his face shine on you for the rest of your life. Amen.